And I said it already, you can't run from God. You can't run from Him. But you know what I know? I know that even right now, in this sanctuary, some of you, God has asked you of things, and you are running in the exact opposite direction. For all sorts of reasons. We're going to find that Jonah's reasons, in his mind, were justified. If you're a believer and God tells you to do something, it doesn't always mean you'll want to. As we'll hear today, that's the case with Jonah. As he not only refuses God's direction, he flees the city completely. But as Pastor Daniel will explain, you can't run from God. He has a reason for everything. And our reasons for not wanting to won't make him go away. His plans are always greater, better, and wiser, even when we can't see it. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Run, Rebel, Run. When you think about a rebel, everybody thinks about something different. For some of you who've been alive for a while, you maybe you think about James Dean. He was the rebel without a cause, right? It's amazing. Still, I was uh, reading an article about James Dean that he's still one of the most, uh, he's one of the top grossing actors who, or actresses who've been deceased. He's super popular. I guess a, a fashion company uses him as their spokesperson. So maybe you think of James Dean, a rebel without a cause. Maybe if you're a little bit younger, you think of Star Wars and you're part of the Rebel Alliance. Maybe you think about William Wallace and Braveheart. Or maybe because you're a child of the 80s, you think of Billy Idol and the Rebel Yell. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, it's a good song. A rebel is somebody who rises up in opposition against an establishment. It's a basic definition of a rebel. Someone who rises up in opposition to or against the establishment. Now, if you take the word rebel and you apply it to the Bible, almost always one person's name pops up, and that's the name Jonah. Because Jonah could be the quintessential rebel. So over the next four weeks, we're going to study the book of Jonah together. So I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Now listen, Jonah is what we call a minor prophet. Not because any part of God's word is minor, they just were less verbose than the major prophets. So if you think of the major prophets are Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, then you have the minor prophets. So you'll have Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, which is my son's name, and then the book of Jonah. So it's in the very last little section of your Old Testament. So we have the book of Jonah. Now, if you get to the book of Micah, you've gone too far to your right. You have to turn back one book. So we're going to take Jonah chapter 1 today. Now, I need to tell you, because when I say rebel, 
And I say Jonah's maybe the most, the cookies on the bottom shelf. I'm here to tell you that Jonah actually isn't the biggest rebel in the book of Jonah. He's not. Do you know who the biggest rebel in the book of Jonah is? God himself. Because God's actions in the book of Jonah is so, so much different than the way we're apt to think. The whole story of Jonah, Jonah gets his name on it, but it's really a story about God's grace to the greatest enemies of his people, which makes God a total rebel, right? Right there, that God would choose to be good, forgiving, by giving them a warning, and if they changed their ways, God would forgive them. When was the last time you gave your enemy a heads up that something bad was coming so that they would change their ways? It goes completely against the establishment. The way most people function, you would never seek to bless your enemies. But God's a rebel. God isn't like the establishment. God in this way is countercultural. Unique. So we're going to take this story. Now, this is what I want to encourage you to do. You can read the book of Jonah literally in about 15 minutes. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want you just to read the book of Jonah every day. Every single day. It'll take you almost no time. The the chapters, by and large, are are short. It's a narrative, so it's pretty fast-paced. You're not going to get bogged down in a lot of uh, theological arguments like maybe some other books. But I want you to let the book of Jonah captivate and change your heart. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the the word of God. So read the book of Jonah. Do it with me. We're going to read it every single day. Just read it. You can read other things, but read Jonah over and over again. I want Jonah to get down so deep into our bones, into the depths of who we are. Because God is so awesome in his rebelliousness against the way that we would normally act. So let's jump right on in. The book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, the principle I want to bring out here by way of introduction is in verse 3. Notice that it says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then it says at the end, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So the first thing that we learn here is that you can't run from God. You can't run from God. Now, I know it sounds almost like, well, duh, except for the fact that we're going to find that there's a prophet of the Lord who God speaks to him, and he's trying to run away from him. You guys know that in the book of Genesis, Adam and his bride Eve, after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were trying to hide from God. 
as if you could play hide and seek with God, the Almighty One. He doesn't know where you are. And it's really easy to look at Jonah or Adam and Eve and be like, oh, I can't believe they're trying to run from God. But listen, I've been walking with Jesus long enough that I've tried to do it. I know that you've tried to do it as well. And some of you, even right now, you are actively pretending that God doesn't know what you're doing. You can't run from God. It's just not possible. I think uh, that great Jamaican theologian, Bob Marley, said, you keep running and running, but you can't run away from yourself. And he's true. That's true. But the reason you can't run away from yourself is because you can't run away from the God who created you and whose image and likeness he created you. There's nowhere that you can go or I can go that is outside that God's presence does not reach. So if you're here today and you're trying to run from God, listen, it's a fool's errand. He's already where you're running to. He is the Alpha and the Omega. God is omnipresent. That's the theological word. God is everywhere, permeating through everything. There's not a place that you and I can go that God is not, he beat us there. You're always late to the party, so to speak. So you can't run from God, but I got ahead of myself. Look at how this begins. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. That's verse one. Now, this expression, it always introduces a divine communication to a prophet. And you find over a hundred instances of this in the Old Testament. So God's word comes to a person. And that's a powerful reality, isn't it? That God's word comes to you and I now. We are blessed because we have God's word in a book. We have the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God's word coming to us that when it comes to us, just like Jonah, we have to act on it. And anytime God's word comes to us and we choose not to act on it, we're trying to run from God. That's how it works. So God's word comes to this prophet. And the prophet's name is Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, we find Jonah's name pops up again in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. We learn there that he was active during the reign of the king called Jeroboam II, who was the king of the 10 northern tribes, 780, 281-ish to 753. And that, that would make him a contemporary of the prophets Amos and Hosea. So two other minor prophets, all prophesying at the same time. And also we learn in 2 Kings 14.25 that Jonah was from Gath-Hefer, which was around the area of the Sea of Galilee. It was about 12 miles west of the Sea of Galilee, about three miles north of Nazareth. So we find that this prophet... It's in the middle about of the 8th century before Jesus. And he was from the same general area as Jesus. That was in the land of Zebulun. That's what we find in the Bible. So it places his homeland in the Sea of Galilee region where our Lord was from. Now, I think the reason it's important that we get the timestamp on him is because if you know your biblical history, you know that there are three exiles in the Bible 
you have the two of the Old Testament and then you have one in the New Testament. So the two in the Old Testament is when the ten northern tribes, that's the first one, go into exile to the Assyrians. And then, and that happened about 722. So Jonah is coming before that. And that's going to be important for our story. Then you have the two southern tribes go to Babylonian exile. The book of Jeremiah is about that. Daniel was a prophet in the exile. Two southern tribes. That happened about 586 BC. And then the third one in the New Testament, of course, is the destruction of Jerusalem and, and the dispersion of the children of Israel out of the land, which happened in the time of the book of Acts after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So you have these three exiles. But Jonah is prophesying before any of these have happened. They're settled in the promised land. And Jonah is before the exile. Now, the reason I think that this is important, because look at what it says in verse 2. It says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, that great city of Nineveh, you read Nineveh the first time in your Bible in Genesis chapter 10, right after the flood. And what we find is that Nineveh was one of the greatest cities of the ancient world. It's one of the greatest. Next to Babylon, it was probably the next biggest. And it was one of the major cities of the Assyrian Empire. Now, you hear what I just said. Nineveh was one of the major cities of the Assyrian Empire. Who was the first group of people to bring exile to the ten northern tribes? The Assyrian Empire. And long before the actual exile of the ten northern tribes, the Assyrians were brutal to the children of Israel. So you get here that the word of the Lord comes to this prophet saying to him, I want you to arise and go to Nineveh. He calls it a great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come before me. So the word of the Lord to Jonah is for a group of people who have been horrible to the children of Israel. And he says, Jonah, I want you to go. I want you to cry out against the city. I want you to proclaim in the city that they have judgment that is impending and that their wickedness had come before God, which means that it's a time of reckoning. Anytime you have your wickedness has come before me, it means now it's time for a reckoning. Now you have sowed, now you will reap. And that is a biblical principle, isn't it? That whatever a person sows, that they will also reap. Whatever it is that you invest, that is what you are going to reap a harvest of. If you were a farmer and you want to grow wheat, you have to put wheat in the ground. If you want to have fruit trees, you have to put fruit trees in the ground. See, whatever you put in, that's what you get out. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. It's a principle that we really don't like in our day and age, right? Because somehow we've just decided because we are blessed and we have such affluence that if I put this in, I'm going to get something out differently. It's just not the case. Whatever you invest, that's what you're going to get out. Right? And so it's time for the city of Nineveh, this great city, to pay for its transgressions. So it's a message of judgment. Now you would think... Because the Assyrians were so brutal to the children of Israel that Jonah would have loved this gig. 
To put it in very, very contemporary terms for us here as we see the rise of ISIS in Syria and Iraq and we see them beheading people on video. You could imagine God saying, I have a word of the Lord for, for them that it's time to pay for your transgressions. I, I think we probably have a line of people wanting to deliver that message, maybe on video. Right? Because it's like, okay, now it's time. All this wickedness, it's time. It's time for you to reap what you've sown. Now it's time. But Jonah does something rebellious. Look at what it says he does. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Jaffa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was to the east of Israel and Tarshish was about as far as you can get west. So God says, look, I want you to go to Nineveh and Jonah's like, ha, no. It'd be like if God said right now, we're here in Clark County, Vancouver, right? If God says, look, I want you to go to Seattle and you're just going through Portland. You're heading down past Eugene, right? Jonah's going the exact wrong direction. It says he goes to Jaffa, which is a port city. It's, now it sits right next to Tel Aviv, a little bit of a way from it. I got to spend a night there with my wife. And Obadiah was just a little kid at that time. We had a great time in Joppa. And it was pretty amazing because you're going to see in the story that there's going to be this big storm. And we ended up in a huge storm in Joppa where the, all the electricity went out in our hotel. And I was a little, I, we read the book of Jonah. I got a little nervous. I didn't know what it meant, but I just knew that something wasn't going right at that moment. Jonah does not want to do what God is asking him to do. He runs in the exact opposite direction. And I said it already. You can't run from God. You can't run from him. But you know what I know? I know that even right now in this sanctuary, some of you, God has asked you of things and you are running in the exact opposite direction. For all sorts of reasons. We're going to find that Jonah's reasons in his mind were justified. There's all sorts of reasons why we would choose to run from God. But I'm here to tell you, you can't run from the presence of the Lord. God is always there. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Listen, if you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the spirit of the living God dwells in you. That means wherever you are, God's spirit is as well. He is with you right where you are. So if you're running from the presence of the Lord, I'm here to save you a lot of aggravation. Stop. You can't outrun the Lord. He's already there. And Jonah, out of all people, should have known that. But yet he goes. Look at what happens in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Verse 5. 
Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So you see what goes on. Jonah jumps the ship, going to Tarshish. They get out there, and you need to notice this. Verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. Now, whose fault is this storm? It's the Lord's. Just the way the word of the Lord came, now this wind gets kicked up. This storm happens because the Lord said it. Now, I think that that's pretty rebellious of God, don't you? I mean, this is the Lord's storm. Now, it makes you think about how, if you know your Bible, that Jesus actually calmed the wind and the waves. And you always think, wow, it's amazing. You know, Jesus. But God can also kick up a mighty storm as well. And the storm comes, and everything starts to unravel. But you need to notice this. Your rebellion impacts others. Your rebellion impacts others. These mariners, these guys on the ship, they were professional seamen. Your rebellion impacts others. See, these sea people, these guys who work on the ship, they didn't, need, they didn't deserve this, but it's Jonah. Jonah is the problem. He's the problem. He's trying to run from God, and God is saying, Jonah, you can't run from me. And God kicks up this storm, and these sea people, they start taking care of business the way that they were trained. Notice what happens. There was a mighty tempest on the sea, the middle of verse 4, so the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his God, and they threw cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. See, these guys are doing everything they know how to do, right? They're taking care of business. And, and when it was really, really bad, they would lighten up the ship so it would flow more effortlessly. It wouldn't break apart. They were so concerned. This storm was so great that they literally felt that the ship was going to break apart. And according to accounts from that time when you're traveling on the Mediterranean in normal sailing time you're not expecting these crazy storms it was perfect time to be sailing this was out of the norm and so what happens after they're doing everything they can to try and get this under control by the time verse 5 rolls around we find that the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his own God Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. 
we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed, as many people have told me, how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We need you.